Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the grand finale, the big end of the whole podcast conclusion. There's fireworks, there's confetti, there's glitter, there's pies being thrown. It is just, it's bananas up in here. This is a party because this is the end of this long, somewhat boring, theological expedition through what what I have been calling Reformed Theology, but really more specifically, we've been looking at the five points of Calvinism summarized in that cute little acronym TULIP, T, total depravity, U, unconditional election, L, limited atonement, I, irresistible grace, P, perseverance of the saints. There you go. Five points of Calvinism summarized in the tulip thing. And just again, I said this on the very first episode. Let me say it again here on the tail end of this thing that I am hugely, largely, incredibly, uh, enormously indebted to Les Newsom, who was the RUF campus minister at Ole Miss and uh, Steel and Thomas, which is a little booklet, little book called The Five Points of Calvinism. Between Les and that little book, that covered probably 98.7% of everything that I talked about and covered in these little podcast episodes. So if there's anything in there that was really offensive and horrible, blame it on them, not me. Okay, just kidding. But thank you so much, Les and... Steele and Thomas, whoever y'all are, thank you for writing the book. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do this. Let's let's um let's wrap up this thing, this little podcast expedition. And here's how I want to wrap it up. Here's how I want to tie this this podcast up with a bow and it is to if you could summarize everything that we've been talking about over the past nine episodes of these things here's how you could summarize reformed theology specifically calvinism in three words this is what j.i packer says so another shout out to j.i packer but j.i packer says you could summarize reformed theology in three words here it is god saves Sinners. God saves sinners. That's it. That's that's the summary. I mean, if you think about it, that really is everything that we've been talking about in these little podcast things. Who is it that does the saving? God. He's the one that does it. Okay. And what does God do? He alone is the one that saves. Okay. Who does he save? He saves sinners that can't save themselves. That is Reformed theology in a nutshell. God God saves saves sinners. sinners. We could have saved a lot of time and just had one episode that lasted 12 seconds, and it could have been that. What is Reformed theology? It is this. God saves sinners. But okay, I want to end with, with trying to answer one last question, and it is this. Who cares? Why care at all about tulip. Why care about the five points of Calvinism? Uh, Well, I said this at the very beginning on on episode one, but I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit further that my hope is 
And I think the, the pursuit of theology within the church is that theology is never done just for theology's sake. It's not just to, it's not just to put more data into your brain. Theology is designed to ex- expose and to reveal and to show you the depths of who God is and therefore to change your life that your life really is changed when you behold the beauty and the magnificence and the glory of God. So I really do think that these doctrines, as thick and as challenging as they might be, they really do have the power to transform the way that you see everything, the way that you see yourself, the way that you see God, the way that you see all of reality. And what I want to do is really just try to unpack some of what I mean by that. Here's what I mean. Let's start with the T. If total depravity is true, if it really is true that we are, throughout our totality, impacted and damaged by sin, if if total depravity is true, this gives you freedom to be honest about your sin and your struggles. You no longer have to kind of cover up and put on a show to save face or to save your reputation. The security of the gospel enables you to be uncomfortably honest. You're freed to risk your reputation. You're freed to look like a failure. You're free to be a loser. It's okay for you to not be okay. That's what total depravity frees you to do, if it is true. What about unconditional election? If unconditional election is true, then this means that God gets all of the glory of your salvation. You don't contribute anything to your salvation but your own sin, which means that this should make you incredibly humble. You're saved, saved, not shaved, you're saved by sheer grace. You might be shaved by sheer grace, but you're definitely saved by sheer grace, and that makes you incredibly humble. I have no more right or grounds to feel superior to anybody out there. But yet, at the same time, if unconditional election is true, this should make you unfathomably confident in his love for you. At the same time, you are humble and confident. No other theological system produces people that are simultaneously humble and confident. What about the L, the big scary L? If limited atonement is true, then this makes the cross more relevant and practical in your life than it ever was before because Jesus doesn't just make salvation possible. He actually accomplished what he came for, the the salvation of his people at infinite cost to himself, which means that this gives you profound assurance and security because your salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Nothing more needs to be done for your salvation that has already been done in him. I think if you have a more limited view of the cross, it it inevitably fills you with insecurity and it just leads you to perpetually doubt the validity of your own sincerity. But if limited atonement is true, it gives you unbelievable assurance and security. What about the I? If, If irresistible grace is true, then this is what gives you confidence in evangelism. 
And the Holy Spirit really does actually use the instrument of preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel and um, and opening God's word to regenerate and to bring dead sinners to life. He is the one that does this, and he promises to do it. Sharing the gospel is therefore not a fool's errand. You are, you are not laboring in vain. You're not wasting your time. It actually gives you unbelievable confidence and urgency to share the gospel and to evangelize the lost. Because guess why? The Holy Spirit is the one that works. Now, what about the last one, the P? If perseverance of the saints is true, then I think that this gives you hope in the midst of your own spiritual discouragement, hope in the midst of your own uh, spiritual numbness or hardship, uh, when you're struggling, when, when, when you're in the bottom of the U, as it were, the hope is that the Lord will see his people to the end. And hope and patience converge here, not only for you, but also for others. When you have Christians or friends that, that claim to be followers of Jesus, and yet they're struggling and, you're, and they're wrestling, and it's so easy to get frustrated or bitter or want to throw up your hands and be done with it, perseverance of the saints gives you the patience and the hope to have a long-haul perspective, a marathon perspective with others and with yourself, the Lord will bring to completion the work that he began. So you put all that together. If TULIP is true, if the five points of Calvinism, if, if it's actually true, this makes the gospel unbelievably more weighty and rich. Because it tells you a real savior saves unsavable sinners. A real savior saves sinners that couldn't save themselves. When you see the depth of your sin and you see the even deeper grace of God, you put those two together, it becomes like a nuclear reaction, a chemical nuclear reaction on the spiritual level in your own soul. You see the depth of your sin, the even deeper grace and the love of God, put it together. What happens? Worship. Worship becomes richer more personal. It motivates you towards obedience through an experience of grace. Um, you, you become more humble. You become more confident. You find yourself growing in the fruit of the Spirit where you're becoming uh, more loving, more joyful, more patient. This is the, the hope of why theology is even a thing, why God even reveals himself to us in the scriptures. It's so that we would become more like Jesus. God would become more glorified and we would become more satisfied in him. Now, that is, I think, why we should care about this stuff. It's not just theology for theology's sake. It's worth doing the hard work and the labor of digging through Bible passages that are hard to stand, hard to understand and having conversations that are that are challenging and difficult because the the fruit of the labor of theology is hopefully worship. Now, I want to end with one last present for you, a little gift for you. You you've, you've slogged through 10 long arduous episodes of me talking in my office right here with my little cups of coffee. 
And I, I feel like it's, I feel like I should reward you. I feel like I should throw you a bone for kind of doing this with me, coming along with me on this, on this journey. And so I pulled out a little, a little something, something from the archives deep in the old hard drive from 2001. I'm blowing off the dust of an oldie, but a goodie, a little gift for you that I will now present to you right here on this podcast as my kind of farewell salute. Take care, my, my friends. One time high fits. I remember when I became a Christian And I knew inside that I accepted Christ I was in despair and I saw that light that floating in the air And I reached out cause I wanted to save my life I gave all the glory to Jesus Even though I really saved myself that's what I was told from those Arminians of old. But the Bible told me something else. It told me Calvinism. 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 And I know it's true. Johnny's gonna blow up your world Now all my friends think that I'm a Puritan We're stuck in a coal and I have lost my mind But their assault comes screeching to a halt after I show them Romans 9 Cause that says Calvinism I Calvinism And I know it's true But I don't think you do Johnny's gonna blow up your worldview So you cannot save yourself or anyone. Unconditional election, God makes the selection regardless of what you have done. Limited atonement, you hate to condone it. Christ only died for some. Irresistible grace Once you had a taste It's impossible For you not to come Perseverance Of the saints God is sovereign over everything 
that includes your will and your mind. It's not absurd. Predestination is a word that occurs in the Bible several times. So don't be scared of election. You're too preoccupied with yourself. Just take a look through the entire holy book. And you'll be convinced of something else called Calvinism. 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 And I know it's true. I don't think you do. Johnny's gonna blow up your world. Johnny's gonna blow up your world. Johnny's gonna blow up your worldview.